Alright, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. You've got the NIA boys here, Trunk Fan, Ian is steak. You'll see him on screen right now. And we've got Jack Butcher, fresh out of what where are you from again? In the UK? Swindon. Swindon. Fresh out of Swindon with his uh Ali G vibes. Yeah, from you guys back like that? Day. Medium rare, man. It's a little bit. I, I prefer rare. It's a little bit overcooked. <laughs> All right, so good, you man. like it bloody. Uh, and I'm Bilal Zaidi, as, as always. And uh, we got a, a big episode for you guys. We've been mentioning the Virgil Dow several times in, in past episodes, but we finally had a chance to digest it a little bit. And we'll be discussing that RIP Virgil. We're gonna we're gonna explain why, uh, explain how he's been thinking about how he was thinking about Web Free World. Um, then we got a little bit on Steve Jobs and Bezos, and we got some fun fact fan there coming for you, explaining a time that they they met and what that was like. And then Trung is also going to tell us how Coca Cola invented Santa Claus because it is the Christmas period right now. So let's kick it off, boys. I'm going to share my screen. Um, this was posted by Fred Ursham, who's the co-founder of Coinbase and uh, is it partner at Paradigm. Um, let me just share my screen right now. Basically, he's a he's an OG and a G in the in the crypto space. It says Virgil Abloh was a pioneer in music, art, and fashion. Most people don't know he was also ahead of curve ahead of the curve in Web three. Shared with permission from his team, here's an early iteration of the DAO he envisioned. So this is the the PDF. I'm gonna keep on the screen. And Jack's been really kind of analyzing this a little bit. So I'll pass it over to you, Jack. Yeah, get but, up onto the top page. This one here? Skyscraper? Yeah, skyscraper. All right, next page, sorry. <laughs> All right, here we go. Gymnastics Institute. Yeah, so he refers to it on this page as starting a real-life digital museum. Uh, for it to become an institution where the currency used in that space is my unique social token. Inside the space will be my work, but also the work of a community of adjacent artists operating on a token of the space. So I think like higher level than what's in this document, talking about like Virgil's worldview or like how like how tightly woven he was with like streetwear, fashion, culture and shaped that and was plugged into like maybe some of the most powerful nodes in the network, in the culture is like, I think seeing this technology or having come into contact with this technology, there's so much overlap there, right? Like the networks that he's traditionally had to tap into to get his work out there have been bigger than him. I mean, Off-White, he built from scratch, right? Pyrex 23, if we go back to the, I can't remember which so episode that was, yeah. but... That was a we talked about Virgil's work and his um philosophy a few episodes like ten episodes ago, maybe. So if you didn't listen to that, go back and uh grab that one because I think that was pretty good. Um but I think this speaks to like creators of that caliber really understanding the benefit of uh the these models when used um correctly, right? And I think what's also interesting about this is he led with the idea of him being the the focal point of this thing, right? It wasn't right. like, hey, we're going to do this thing. It's going to be a complete meritocracy and like we're all going to make decisions together. Like he obviously knows that visionary creative direction is what made, what put him where he is and what got 
every brand in the world essentially to either try and hire him or try and copy him, right? That's such and, a that's such an interesting point. He framed it around he was the center of this thing in, in according to the document. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I I I think that's like that's the way to make it the most valuable thing, right? Like this is a like his ideas have been tested in reality and they resonate with people. So that's what we should build around. Um, but I also think Virgil, Kanye, um, those two specifically have talked about like how difficult it was for them to break into these industries and scenes that were dominated by very different people for the last 10, 20, well, forever, essentially. Um, so I think that idea of getting to a point where you're bigger than those brands yeah, is huge too. Like he is bigger than, I would say like. Kanye is bigger than, in many ways, Kanye is bigger than Adidas. Or Kanye is so. bigger than Gap, right? Yeah, like I would say so. And with. I think that, that, that trend is just getting started, right? And I think what he talks about in the document is, you know, bringing other people into that uh, environment. And I think it's, he's also like very, intertwined with the music industry and i think picking up on that idea of like fashion like every creative industry signing people that are on the come up in their industry it it kind of works in fashion but it's almost always under a brand right so yeah. it wouldn't be like this person's name in the same way that a music artist is like jay-z just signed x right and they have their own brand independent of Jay-Z, but there's a like strategic alignment between the two of them and there's distribution that comes from being on this massive label, right? So I think all of those inputs and overlaps is where the like thesis for this comes from. And I think knowing that your your distribution and your influence is bigger and probably like restricted in some ways by the brands you represent. I also think yeah. he like, maybe it's not a world first, but I think he repped multiple big brands at the same time, like Nike and LVMH. Like I don't, there was no like agreement that he couldn't work for one or the other right. at any one time because he's bigger than both of them. Right. In the same way that Kanye West is like, I'm doing gap. I'm doing Adidas, maybe the first Adidas. contracts they yeah, signed easy, are exclusive, yeah. but they get so big that it's just like you they will not commit to exclusivity because there's just there's, there's no, no need to. upside for them to do that completely. right and i think this model is like them starting to see okay this is the next iteration of that where i am the brand but i can also incentivize people in a fairer way to participate and grow this thing and incubate talent and all of those um well it, it goes to a question that bala has asked in previous episodes like how is using a DAO different than just a normal existing corporate structure or uh, kind of traditional legal structure, right? So what what do you think would have made a DAO vision different than just going standard LLC? Yeah, well, Jack, you're having a thought there. I just want to add one thing to answer kind of what you're saying. And Fred Ersham shared this. He said that they jokingly called the DAO the intermet as mm. referencing oh, like the met. met, met exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, well, the, like the Met Museum, um, uh, an internet museum to surface up and coming creators. Keep in mind, this is from the beginning of 2021 before NFT mania set in. Virg Virgil wow. recognized that Web3 had the potential to remove the gatekeepers. 
he had to contend with his entire career that it could enable creation. That's the big one there, right? That it could enable creation of the future rather than pulling from the creation of the past. I think that's a really great summary. And and to me, just again, like zooming out, we talked about Virgil in a previous episode, but he he had like quite a short career, if you think about it. Like the way that he kind of yeah. rose up was, I think it was like six to 10 years of like rocket ship. And yeah. it wasn't the traditional path. You know, the gatekeepers he's talked about, and I know uh, Kanye West in very um, famous interviews, like the, you, you ain't got the answer, Sway, if you ever watched that interview. Yeah, and yeah, that was yeah. because Sway in the morning or whatever the show is, that guy who's, you know, a legend in, in his world, in, in hip hop, but he was talking to Kanye West in from that point of view of, oh, just sell some merch, right? Oh, why don't you just make your own t-shirts, just sell them. And um, at the time it sounded crazy because Kanye comes across as, you know, he is literally a bit crazy and he's, uh, <laughs> you know, like he, he isn't the best communicator in the world. Um, but what he was saying at that time was, well, no, you don't understand the level of competence and level of craft that goes into creating an LVMH bag a Ralph Lauren Polo it ain't Ralph though as he referenced do you know what I mean so that, that that's the kind of like he actually did the work and like you know learned I think it was Fendi or one of those yeah he uh, interned him and uh, him and uh, Virgil Virgil interned at Fendi exactly so they like really 10 bucks an hour completely and, and they were already rich by that point yeah go, go on go on Jack I think that line, it ain't Ralph though, is like all of this, right? That's what all of this comes down exactly. to is like, if you can build a network, like Virgil is one of the few people who accelerated out of that, right? He was became bigger than everything, same as Kanye. And it's like, if they can build, because this, this white paper talks about a platform. This talks mm -hmm. about like a place to like, mint like it literally says a place to mint nfts and a marketplace and a place to collaborate and like imagine if you're in a virtual environment with virgil and you're making clothes of some description and you're incentivized and he's incentivized to promote your work because you're all financially aligned um i think that is like a response to like working in a model that has a mega high take rate for a good amount of time right like Kanye and Virgil both got like made a good amount of money, but relative to the value they created, yeah, like did they just... really? Like, no. What's Matey's name? The LVMH geezer? <laughs> Matey's name. Bernardo. <laughs> Bernardo. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Or not? Or yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. Bernardo. Bernardo. I mean, yeah. Like richest man in the world. Like how much of that comes from <laughs> LVMH? How much of that goes to? Virgil, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's supply chains and there's, you know, there's complexity there for sure. But if you think about like the thing that LVMH functions on is like the meme of LVMH and you have to keep that perpetually relevant. And Bernard Arnault is probably very good at hiring people that can do that. He's not the person that's doing it, right? It ain't Ralph. Um, but it is Virgil. Like they're mm. like in the studio making this stuff. And I think like these Web3 models offer like more leverage and higher financial upside for people that already have network effect, but are getting like bottle bottlenecked, sorry, yeah. by the in the um, existing systems, the system that by they matey. work. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, well, Jack, I think it's just a bigger, tr- like the way I see it anyway, it's, oh, and by the way, there's sirens in the back because we're in, in New York. So if you hear that, sorry about that. But um, yeah, the way I see it is, I don't think like these guys, the way they've been running are necessarily like these big villains. I know that you're not saying that, right? But like a lot of people see them as, oh, they've been like ripping people off for right, years right. and now it's just catching up with them. I just see this as an evolution of... Me too, yeah. Now we have the the way, you know, the same way Google and Facebook um, and big tech is getting a lot of flack nowadays because they're like, oh, well, they just monetized you through ads. And it's like, yeah, they did, but they also gave you free products to billions right, of people right, right. and yeah. free knowledge and free satellites in the sky to power maps. And and now we're maybe we're going to create better models and the market will decide if it's better or not. We don't know yet. There's a lot of great ideas of For no sure. ads and ownership of all this stuff. I hope it works out, but we, we don't have that in most cases just yet. So I see this exactly the same way. Like we needed an LVMH in the fashion world for many years to be this conglomerate, to be the, you know, find the talent, uh, the tastemakers, et cetera, give them the resources to be creative and smash it out and get the Kanye and Virgil to do that. But the future is looking more like those guys are going to have the competence and the tools to be able to do a lot of it themselves. And I've even seen like the evolution within our lifetime as adults or from kids to adults like again we talk about hip-hop a lot here just because it's a dominant cultural force if you think of jay-z dr dre diddy um nas right like growing up they were oh if you're a sick rapper you're gonna like maybe put your name on like the champagne bottle and a pair of sneakers or trainers yeah. as we right. call it so right rock. now you're like no we're gonna create rock aware we're gonna create diddy's brand of uh, sean john or whatever it was called sean john was yo sean john, sean john the, one, the, the one the one piece like uh in velour or something like that the velour dude the velour <laughs> the purple velour yo Bilal don't lie man you had some rock I definitely, away I definitely sold a little bit of that little yeah. echo that Mark yeah. Echo oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Echo do you remember John Malone John Malone I, G we, that, I didn't have those ones but I know that Avisu. was a popular brand Avisu yeah. as well yeah what yeah about Zoo Denim. York Zoo York classic but anyway oh, but anyway so just just the, <laughs> to paint a picture again like that is rapper artist in this case turned not just someone with a their name on a bottle but owning a part of the bottle dr dre headphones etc so that's already a huge evolution and something we obviously all care about ownership and upside or whatever but now we're getting to the point where it's like okay you might not even need that that other part eventually Or, or, or it's become it's minimizing that other part that's needed well, yeah, and and I think there's stepping stones too, right? Like they they built up to this point on that infrastructure, and we've talked about like the trade offs of distribution and talent. Like it's going to take you what you did in six years by admittedly being like banging your head against the wall, but getting there eventually. Like plugged into the distribution of all these businesses that are functioning and have supply chains and ad space and all that kind of stuff, but that ability to get close to that outcome as an individual is changing now like your distribution yeah. the potential for distribution is crazy if you have something that truly truly resonates there are obviously still big big barriers but we're going to release these in order right the last episode we talked about um like the model as part of the artwork which i think is kind of interesting where you do see a lot of creative professionals, especially in like 
hip hop and fashion become business people at a certain point, right? Where it's like, I've maxed out my, or even athletes, right? I've maxed out like my primary, um, the reward for my primary function, which yeah. is like performing mm. or, yeah. you know, playing a game. And then there are all these different ways um, to create wealth outside of that. And I think for someone who's like truly creative, like a Virgil Abloh, you look at this infrastructure and it like lights you up in a different way than like looking at the ability to incorporate an LLC in America lights you up, right? There's no, there's, you don't get any creative inspiration from the way you can, or maybe you do for like avoiding taxes, right? Like you could structure companies in oh, ways. Oh yeah. That, if you're like a tax, I mean, those tax accounts, bro, don't, don't, don't think they're not left brain. They yeah, got no, that's, no, they're definitely smart. Side. They're definitely <laughs> smart. But if your objective is to like, like build something that gets more creative product out into the world, right? then these models offer you new ways to think about that. Who knows whether it's going to be the right way or a better way, but it's like when that, when those things meet people that have that kind of vision, didn't Kanye West tweet five years ago, decentralized, like literally the one word. You could pull I out. A, that about, yeah, probably, we could definitely search did, and yeah. find that. Well, but, actually, aren't there a ton of good visuals? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off track, but it's like there are a lot of good visuals in this doc. Yeah, right? yeah, let's pull it back up. Yeah, I was going to we'll describe pull it, up. it for the listeners. Well, and and just while you're pulling up, the last uh, couple of things before I share the PDF. Um, in Fred Ursham's tweet storm, he basically said, "You know, Virgil recognized Web three. Uh, oh, sorry, I read that part already about gatekeepers. Um, this one was about um, he really got Web three and the passion shine through, inspiring many artists that will go on to release early NFTs, planting the seed with oh, many more to come." The, the look on his face during the brainstorm says it all. Thanks, Anthony Schiller. And actually, so I was in, during lockdown last year, I would jump into these clubhouse rooms, which I know you guys might have done as well. And I was actually in one of the rooms with him at one point, and he was talking about this stuff. And I was like really surprised how, first of all, the first time I heard him, he was just kind of listening. And then he was really like getting his head around a lot of this stuff. Um, the, the other thing I was going to say, Fred Ursham said, Virgil saw this as his final act, a long project to yeah. get out from under myself, which is pretty sad, but also kind of kind of unbelievable. Cool. I mean, he was the I mean the artistic director at LVMH, which is to you know Jack mentioned to listen to a couple episodes back. Was like this is a four hundred billion dollar luxury house, right? He's the largest luxury brand in the world, and uh, they do a lot of things: fashion, alcohol, and uh, handbags, accessories. But like he'd already ascended to the heights of creativity for the field he had chosen, right? But we, as we mentioned, he's a polymath. He has architecture backgrounds, engineering background. He's done music, music videos, fashion. I, I think I'm probably constricting to say they ascended the heights of that because clearly he saw no limits to his creativity, right? It could be manifested in any field. And um, yeah, let's, let's go through the DAO to see if there's any more. That yeah, I was just going to show, share my screen again. So this is one of the, can you guys see that? Okay. So for people listening, this one was quite interesting. This slide where it, oh, part of this page, or whatever you want to call it, the Gymnastics Institute Path of Development. So this is moving from like the idea of a museum in, you know, Web3 museum on the internet to kind of like how what's the step-by-step step? and and the first one he says build the corporate structure governance team incorporate company design and mint the original nfts cultivate partnerships eg zora 
find and cultivate the roster of artists to initially launch the platform. And then the fifth one, exist as a skyscraper, a digital space with physical feel, curating and selling both NFTs and physical Let's artifacts. Let's pull it up. He has a, he had an image of a skyscraper there. Yeah. Oh, like the next, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it, right? This is pretty cool. That's in like, it's got uh, Toshiba. He's got the brands uh, in there. Taste of, uh, you know how he does like, kind of like, I don't know what the right is like. It's like brutalist graphic design. Is that right, Jack? It's like, like quote unquote, a little bit ugly looking or like meant to yeah, yeah, I think look very different. Group it that way, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is like 25 pages, so we probably won't get through every yeah, single yeah, thing. We we'll share the link that. so people can read through, but that that was kind of like the main stuff. Um, this is also, you, uh, the main reason I wanted to bring some of this up is because a lot of people are trying to navigate DAOs right now and navigate like why they would launch a DAO, including us. Like we've thought about like, what would an NI DAO look like? Is there even a need for it? Yeah. Should it just be a community? And I think this is actually a great template for people to borrow from and uh, the ideas in there, which probably relevant to a lot of people. Yeah. You, you know what I think is like special about this is, is obviously we're extrapolating this from how people are explaining it. Um, but he had a real vision for it based on the technology that I think would change the way people would interact with it. Like the, it's hard to think of other people that like are that influential in pop culture that would say, I'm doing a virtual event, let's say, and people actually want to go to it. Like yeah. the, the closest comparison I have is like, this is, probably not a kosher reference now, but the um, Travis, Travis Scott, Scott Fortnite yeah. thing, because there's a lot of, you know, Travis Scott's, I haven't checked in on that story, but it's pretty horrific. Um, but the idea of somebody that is truly influential in pop culture, not just doing something in this space, but like building it from first principles. Like, I think there are people that are like, doing deals and it's like oh post malone bought a board ape there's no yeah. way he went on like open sea with a metal <laughs> with mask, mask wallet. wait are you saying there's no chance you just say there's no i chance? say zero chance and if somebody can correct that i say there's if no post, way he did that if himself. post malone can correct that please well actually no for a fact group. he didn't there's a company okay. called moon pay that is an intermediary that does like you can buy nfts with a credit card so they did oh. that oh yeah yeah okay fair enough what was the rip on that one <laughs> yeah i'm sure a nice little take on that but then again who knows if there's some backhander for plugging it that went on as well so right right you know speculation i have no idea if that's true not investment advice etc but the idea that <laughs> a lot of these like pop culture figures are just being attached to stuff versus people that are like building it ground up there's very few people that have that's that cross both point. of those worlds. Like crypto native builders, yeah, they're doing amazing things, but do they have appeal to like the kid in high school? No. It's like this that's the most uncool shit I've ever seen, right? Versus <laughs> Virgil Abloh, where it's like people way overextending themselves to buy stuff that he had a hand in making. I don't actually you brought it. That's such a that's such a great point. Like a celebrity just attaching themselves to an existing project. Versus somebody thinking from first principles, how they do that. Like who, I mean, literally it's like, okay, I would expect Kanye to do something like this, right? Like, I agree. So Kanye, Virgil, but like, I mean, you nailed it. I was like, I can't even, like who could do this and not get a cynical response? Like even like a guy like Drake, 
hey, Drake's doing a DAO. I'd be like, uh, yeah, no, like, no you way. Know I don't know as many people. Like, yeah, no, but I think this is like Jack brought such a great point. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm like, I, I couldn't even tell you because you need people. someone who's got the creative, cultural, and business Acumen, um, yeah. trifecta, which is really. You know, I mean, you can argue Drake's obviously been pretty savvy. That's what I mean, though. But, but he's so—he's almost too mainstream. Yeah, like, he's, he's like flying so on the jet big. vibe, so it's it's different. Yeah, he's—I mean, Drake is—I mean, we, it'd be interesting to tease out like Drake's celebrity, but like Drake's gotten so big, right? Like, I mean, Kanye's obviously very. I—I I actually I feel like as uh, as a celebrity, there's something about Drake and Kanye's. I mean, they're definitely on the same level and they actually kind of squashed their beef recently but yeah, uh, i think they just uh performed together i just yeah, they just that. performed together right there's something yeah. about drake though that's like doesn't feel like you know if he did it i'd just say yeah <laughs> yeah wait you know i think it is it's like i think uh virgil and kanye are way more experimental as part of their brand yeah right like there, they, there it is they're, yeah. like that's completely what they're about and then like Drake is way more polished. Like this is the final product. Consume it yeah. as it is. And he's not going on interviews and saying, you know, like, you know, blurting out stuff that he's going to get in trouble for a couple of days late. Well, in real time now, but I think the idea, like I'm racking my brain as well for someone else. And there are like, there are things happening on smaller stages. Like one of the, one of the people that's doing a good amount of this, not at that scale, just in terms of like, I don't know if he's been at it as long as the Bobby Hundreds, you know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. He did brand? the fashion brand, yeah. So he actually tweeted, I think last week, like the amount of outreach I'm getting from people that want to work natively in this space in streetwear and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So there's a ton of people doing it, obviously, but at that level. I think the only one... I'm thinking of one is Jay Z probably would that's be there. That's true. That's true. And he know he's doing the Bitcoin version, Ethereum yeah, 2.0, right? We've already yeah. predicted that. <laughs> but uh, but he's also more Paul. I think you uh, I think you brought up such a good point, Jack, about how polished Drake is. Let's just give an example. His albums, he like he just tries to please everyone with his albums now, right? Is like you know what I mean? He's like, I'll give you yeah, the. He's made the banger. TikTok song. Yeah, yeah. I'll make the TikTok the song. I'll make an R&B song. Yeah. He's like, yeah, right. He's missing that experimental edge. I think you nailed it. The only other person that popped in my head was Banksy. Like if Banksy mm. did yeah, a, a DAO or something of that nature, I'd be like, okay, that makes complete that's sense. That's a great show. And yeah. he did, like, there's some controversial thing on Twitter a while back where someone thought they bought a fake NFT from Banksy and they got the money sent back to them, which I think was probably a Banksy thing, but like it was he's just shrouded like, yeah. in like, oh, whether, real. was it real or not? Yeah. Big uh, NFT collector actually called Pranksy. Oh, yeah. but that, that, that's yeah. hilarious. That. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I think that's a good shout on Banksy. I do think, again, not knowing too much, but I think he's probably, um, I don't know how savvy he would be with the newer technology side and seeing that. I don't know I if mean, he, he would. Built like a fake Disneyland, man. I, I think he can figure it out. That's like, true. That's well, one, one more, one more. And I don't haven't done my research on this, but he's been floating around a few of the NFT spaces. Pharrell. Yeah. Pharrell. Um, Pharrell came to mind as well. Because he, so, yeah, he's yeah. experimental. He has an experimental history, right? Definitely. Many versions of himself have existed. Yeah. And he's yeah. got like, obviously, fashion, fashion music. Um, I think that's like, I think as a Seems collection smart. he's involved in. Somebody's actually, the guy that, uh, or one of the guys that started Rainbow, Rainbow Wallet, is trying to give him Pharrell.eth. I saw that oh. going around on, on Twitter. They're trying oh, to get that sorted in a, in a space. 
but that's a good little growth. It's kind of like the BitClout thing, but a bit more, uh, maybe a little bit more ethical if you want to. Well, right, what about Buster Rhymes, boys? We we've seen him on Twitter going out. <laughs> Not, not to be ageist, but I drugs. think there's like models that are just like Ja Rule. It reminds me of that, um, right? That, fire the, festival type stuff. Okay, that, that's yeah. true. No offense if it, if they come and uh, like, I think he's legit trying something. to learn. I mean, it, it just this tweets are like, hey, what crypto should I buy? And it's like, yo, this is mad. Like the stuff he's, and then he, I mean, good for him for uh, getting involved, but pretty. Pretty funny. I was joking, by the way. I don't think he's going to be one of these. Yeah, well, I think you know what's interesting is like you can put like a person's creative influence on an adoption curve too. Like Virgil and Kanye probably still on the left side of that that chart, which is yeah incredible because of how much product and I how many ideas they've shipped. Buster Rhymes, I hate to say, it's probably on the right hand side of the. Yeah, he hasn't like, really done like it since those Visu jeans yeah. with twenty five pockets <laughs> on them. You know right, I mean? and then there's a lot of people on the very left of that. I think um, the founder of Zora tweeted this: "Is like the next Eames, the next Ablo, the next you know Hadid are all building in Web three right now." That's such a great. Oh, that's so. It's just because how fast you can move, right? And it's just the energy around it. Um, the network that will just completely blow this stuff to like the moon, as they as we close as, as they say. On. But uh, no, did uh, did you have any other like high level thoughts on uh, the Virgil stuff, uh, Jack? No, I think that was I think that was a good chat, boys. And that's just, yeah, like definitely so, yeah, we'll link was, the white paper for people. I think that but... was great. We'll share the link to that, and then I'll just close out by saying a couple things that you wrote in here, which I thought were quite cool um created curated and owned by the people so i think even though he was planning for it to be centered around him as a curator but it was really about museum bringing people together tastemakers um people that people didn't know yet and he's got a whole part in here of ownership decentralized ownership and he's got like nike trainer mona lisa and like you know like buildings and a plane in here um but i you can kind of see visually what he's trying to explain and then the last thing is he says past digital is its own entity and now physical equals digital which is a little little deep but um so <laughs> he, he he wrote this like maybe five years ago he said the world moves as fast as instagram scrolls so I think uh, wait, ooh, that's a that. bar. Yeah, he's he's like the that. he's the like he got the metaverse <laughs> before it's you know been blasted on CNBC, right? He's like, even if you're wearing stuff in in physical culture, the way you're broadcasting uh, and expressing that is primarily yeah. digital, right? That's so true, right? It's like, but I'll throw it like. You know, Fiat fan will throw in a fit, snap a picture, and not even walk out the house with it. He just wants people to know. <laughs> he's got, he's got, Where are you he, posting this, Trung? No, I'm playing with you. Yeah. I sent you guys out, I man. You guys will laugh. I sent you that one pic when uh, I went out and had a Thanksgiving dinner with my family. It's like the first time I put a blazer in three years. Like two people saw that. It's like, you know, not a lot of people saw that fit. It lives yeah. in the digital realm. That's true. That's a, Yeah, I mean, that's the basic thesis for some of these like NFT uh, like the really rudimentary impl implementation of that is like your picture, right? But then the evolution of that is your whole identity, who you interact with, what you do, all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah I love that. That's great. That wow, was a I good discussion. That man. went Let a lot know. of different places, man. That was solid. No, oh, yeah, my hair's gone wild there. By the way, oh, sorry. There you go, but man. yeah, uh, let us know what you think of that part in the comments. What if you read through uh, the PDF? We'll share that in the show notes. Like, is there anything that stands out to you? 
like yeah pretty cool stuff in there i think a lot of people should should check that out all right let's move on boys we got steve jobs and bezos meeting and trung this is straight to you they were meeting and they were critiquing something what were they critiquing all right so they're critiquing the segue not going to bury the lead <laughs> and uh the segue the uh, the individual motorized thing with the wheels if uh, people aren't familiar cuz i mean i'm assuming most If you need a demonstration familiar. of what it was yeah. you should see the video <laughs> yeah. if you're listening to this cuz trung is a Editor, us. add the video um <laughs> No, so like I'm a, a bit of a geeky tech history guy, uh, history in general, but I, I do enjoy tech history. I've been trying to find uh, stories of like these 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 like CEOs meeting each other, right? Like I, I wrote a really popular thread about uh, Elon meeting Bezos for dinner, and uh, I found a story about Bezos and Steve Jobs in a room together, and they're critiquing the Segway. So, and and top level, Jack mentioned this. So very sad. The inventor of the Segway unfortunately died in a Segway accident, which is just- You can't make it up, that's the, that's Unbelievable. The, that's, that's living in the simulation type stuff, right? Like, it's just so messed up. But, um, so the inventor of the Segway uh, uh, got Kleiner Perkins, one of the Silicon Valley's largest investors to invest in uh, the company. And uh, John Doerr, which is a famous partner at Kleiner Perkins, he uh, wanted his buddies, uh, Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs, uh, to opine on this new uh, world-changing technology. Uh, but as you can imagine, they're very busy people. And so all that they're able to get all into one room was like a 30-minute session at, at a Hyatt hotel near the San Francisco airport in early 2000s. And uh, it's a crazy story. <laughs> it's from a book about uh, the founding of the Segway. And what happens is... Uh, Wait, did you all... read this book, Tron? No, I got the, the excerpt. I found a multi-chapter excerpt from it. It's amazing. We can nice. post it. So they roll it. So imagine this, right? Early 2000s. So Steve Jobs is back at Apple. The iPod just came out. No iPhone yet, but the dude's still a legend, right? Steve, Steve Jobs still a legend, has Pixar under the belt. Bezos is about five or six years into the Amazon journey now, but he's a billionaire, dude rich. And uh, these guys are in the room together. So let me ask you guys, right now you have John Doerr, the VC, Steve Jobs, and, and Jeff Bezos in early 2000s. Who is a top dog in that room? Well, jobs for me personally. Yeah, the, yeah. it's jobs, that's right? A, it's that it's time. Be jobs, yeah. Even before the iPhone, right? It's like it's only in the last five, six years where Bezos has really become like the king big balls, right? And so so jobs rolls in, jobs shows up late. And apparently, as they're waiting for jobs, one of the uh, one of Kleiner Perkins associates that works with John Doerr says, Jobs' reputation always shows up late. And then uh, let me ask you, when Jobs shows up for this interview, I mean, the, 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 the presentation of the segue, what do you think happens? Do you think he listens quietly or do you think he takes over the entire thing? He's, he's got his no shoes on. He's drinking <laughs> orange juice because he's on orange juice diet. And then he, he absolutely tears a new one in Macy over there. Dude, you're going <laughs> to laugh. You are going to shite yourself. That's literally what happens. It's like it, you could have predicted it. He shows up to this meeting. They do a presentation. And so they show up the meeting. They're driving around the Segway example in the ballroom of the Hyatt near the uh, San Francisco airport. And then the, the founding team of Segway, at the, the project was called Project Ginger at the time, goes, all right, everybody, we're going to give you a 10-minute presentation. And Jobs goes, no, I can't do that. I'm not built that way. I can't sit for 10 minutes. And he just, so he cuts off the presentation, shows up late, cuts off the presentation, and starts drilling them with hardball questions. They go, all right, how many products do you guys have? And they're like, we have two products. We have like this 
uh, industrial segue and like a kind of smaller transportation one we're going to do. Job's like, no, that's dumb. Ridiculous. You have to have one segue. And he's like, when I came back to Apple, we had four iMac colors, but it confused our entire team. My salespeople didn't know what to sell. My designers didn't know what to do. And the consumer didn't know what to buy. I made one color for our first release and forced everybody to buy that. Right. So he's given like the full Steve Jobs lesson in 10 minutes here. Mm. So that the first lesson is focus your product line. Right. And then right afterwards, uh, they go, okay, well, how are we going to roll this thing out? Uh, and then Jeff Bezos chimes in. Jeff Bezos goes, I think you guys should go to Singapore because in Singapore, there's only going to be one decision maker, the prime minister effectively, and he'll tell you whether or not you can have a freaking Segway, like, you know, the regulatory confines of having that vehicle on the road. So you have one decision maker. Jobs is like, no, that's, that's dumb. That's ridiculous. You can't I'm do that. I'm the only decision maker yeah, here. <laughs> decision, no. Jobs is like, that's stupid. But again, Jobs gives like a quick lesson in like 60 seconds. He's like, the reason you can't do that is this. You can't slow roll in a small market because you have one chance for the world to see the segue and it has to be a big bang. If you do it in Singapore, news, news story is going to come out. People are going to see pictures of it and you're going to lose all the energy of a massive, you know how Jobs gets on stage and does the, hey, one more thing. You're yeah, going to yeah. lose that energy. So this guy's just dropping dimes left, right, and center in like a 10-minute presentation. And then this is the last one. I'll tell you guys, it killed me. He goes, uh, the segue guy's like, what do you think about the design? And Jobs like, it sucks. <laughs> the design sucks. And they go, what's wrong with it? And again, Jobs drops his like design aesthetics. He goes, it doesn't look, uh, it doesn't feel anthropomorphic, which is like, you know, like consistent with how humans would operate with it. It doesn't look elegant and it doesn't look innovative. It just looks like it looks like a, a golf cart on two wheels. So he dropped basically, comes in here 10 minutes. He's like, okay, guys, I'm out of here. I got to leave. That's it. That was Steve this, Jobs and Jeff Bezos. 15 minute meeting in a room. Trung, you, somehow Trung manages to sneak in some actionable advice here from yeah, his funny story. It's like bro. the Socratic method. You don't even know you're learning. <laughs> yeah. You just think you're here for jokes and you're like, okay, so... Make it look innovative, anthropomorphic. I can't even say that word, but uh, no, really. Well, good. the other that's, ones, though, the the, the 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 two ones that I loved was like I love the Singapore one because Bezos is like, oh yeah, you should go to Singapore. That one decision maker and Jobs like that's dumb. Like yeah. if you go to Singapore, <laughs> it's gonna leak. You have one chance to blow this up to the world, right? Mm. I just love his mindset around it. Yeah, crazy. And then, and then the very first one, and we could wrap up after this was he just goes out and then just reiterating was uh. I just found it hilarious. It's like, you can't have two. You got to have one. The you got to focus. focus the mind. I mean, I know Jack agrees with that, right? Yeah, man, definitely. The, uh, yeah, I mean, in my short time experimenting, like get one idea and one product, especially if you're starting from scratch, impossible to scale out. It's just like get it embedded in people's minds. The, uh, I was going to ask about the Segway business, though, after that. Like, they blew up, didn't they? Like, but the primary use, wasn't it? Like, the only time I ever see them now is, like, city tour things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or mall cop, right? That's a joke. Uh, you guys mall remember mall cop? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it was supposed to replace. What was that, Futurama? Yeah, Futurama. <laughs> I mean, that was a joke, right? The, it, was supposed to re it was supposed to replace walking and, like, 
What? I'm sure yeah, that's yeah, wild. Like, in hindsight, it was, it's yeah, so, that's ridiculous. so ridiculous. <laughs> 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 to replace walking. <laughs> like the picture is literally going to replace walking. But uh, actually, uh, one more point that Jobs brought up, which was uh, was so smart, was like, uh, he's like, Bezos is like, you can slow roll it out the gate, right? Like go to Singapore and like build up the hype. But Jobs is like, you can't do it with this thing. He brought up such a great point. And it kind of alludes to what happened with the founder who died from a segment. It was like, the problem with this thing, if you slow roll it, is this. If during that slow roll, there's an accident, it kills the whole project right there, right? If like you have it in Singapore and aside from the fact that you're losing the big bang that he wants and like something happens, the whole project's dead. It's dead in the water. Mm. Man, I just, I love, love this guy rolls in, shits on it. Actually, <laughs> he had a, well, I'm not even saying, he had a quote. He goes, uh, he goes to the uh, Segway uh, inventor and John Doerr, the investor. He goes, guys, listen, I have a design team I have a design team that I want you guys to talk to. These guys, this is direct quote. They will do things that will make you shit in your pants. <laughs> He's like, I want you to go meet the design team that will design something that will make you shit in your pants. And uh, there you go. Uh, Love God. it. Love so it. Thanks, Trung. That was a good, good fun fact fan. And look, it's Christmas week. So let's finish off with a Christmas-related story another fun fact fan for you guys this is all about how coca-cola invented santa claus and i think there's some interesting stuff to pull out from this one but yeah trung i I'll know actually, you've been yeah i mean I'll, I'll, man you nailed the below i think uh, i can do a quick top level but the reason it's interesting is because jack mr designer and i'm sure jackson have a lot of things to say about coca-cola and their advertising and, and their ability to stay in the mind share right like, Emma, well, let me ask, have you ever worked on a Coca-Cola campaign or related? No. But their reputation as an advertiser is just... Oh, they spend, I think they're up there, probably top five in the world, advertising of dollars, spenders, right? right? Yeah. yeah, billions a year. And what, what's their kind of reputation as, you know, aside from the money being spent, but like... Oh, you know what? I have worked. I have okay. worked on <laughs> some Coke stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so one of the agencies I worked at, uh, probably six, seven years ago now had a big presence in it. Let's actually founded in Atlanta and obviously Coke's headquarters is. Oh yeah. Atlanta. You're there right now. Yeah. So they do, um, they did all sorts of stuff for them, but, the the cut, the division of the company that I was working for was working on like installations for like retail. So like trying to explain the 4,000 different Coca-Cola products. They, I think it was like a Coca-Cola museum type thing that they were working on. Um, they had a reasonable reputation at, like as clients back then. Um, yeah, I think uh, one thing that I didn't know about or you don't know about Coca-Cola is like they, I mean, they make milk. Like they got so many <laughs> thousands of drinks. Like you look at a fridge and you're like, oh, Coca-Cola makes Coke. It's like, no, they probably make 70% of the stuff you're looking at, right? Yeah, yeah. The absolute Coke. opposite of the Steve Jobs uh Skew yeah. advice. <laughs> it's like not one, right? Like everything. Oh, well, Desani Water, for example. But um, I mean, their reputation, I think, as designers, I mean, it goes back to their original design, right? Like the name Coca-Cola, like the original designer's name is Frank Robinson. He was an employee of the pharmacist that created Coca-Cola, John uh, Stilf. Wow, Day. that's mental. That's crazy, right? But I mean, think about in the uh, mid-1800s, Coca-Cola or late-1800s. But think about the principles of persuasion, right? Repetition. That's literally what they're thinking. Coca, cola. Same with Google, 
right? Google is like this a repetition that is part of the persuasion stack for, I mean, Jack, you work with this stuff. It's like C and C. They yeah, literally yeah. like explicitly put that. So they think about branding from the very beginning, which is incredible. That's why they had the bottle, right? The bottle is very distinctive. They patent it for yeah, I think years. I heard a myth on this um, about whoever commissioned that. The uh, brief was design a bottle that someone could recognize if it was smashed on the side of the road. Yes. No, I think that is true. And uh, I mean, that's how incredible of a foresight you have to have to ask that. Yeah, it's crazy. So these guys obviously have just been, I mean, because at the end of the day, man, the the chirp is real. It's freaking sugar water. These guys are selling you sugar water, right? Buffett loves it. Yeah, Buffett loves it, bro. Um, so anyway, I go back to the. He has one so, a day with his uh, Big Mac, right? Big, yeah, his uh, no, Big cheeseburger, Mac and yeah. a Coke keeps the doctor <laughs> away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so back to uh, yeah. So that was setting the stage. Coca Cola, legendary. Brand, they do brands. Brand they people. Do, yeah. So there's actually uh, to correct Bilal, but I gave him the prompt, so it's my bad. It's like Coca Cola didn't actually invent Santa. Uh, they. Uh, <laughs> So there's gone, gone. It's asked so often, it's such a myth that there's an FAQ on the Coca-Cola website that answers the question, did we invent Oh, yeah, I'm missing on it right now. Dude, how funny is that? They have an FAQ just to set the oh, record great. straight. So basically, what they popularize mm, okay. is the idea of a fat, jolly Santa that we know in our minds today. What about so, red and white? Do they have any they have any influence on that? So let me tell you, there's a poem in 1822, which the artist that created the Coca-Cola Santa created his image based off of. The poem was called Towards the Night Before Christmas. And in the poem, it mentions the exact words. Uh, his cheeks were like roses. The beard of his chin was as white as snow. And he had a round, broad face and little round belly. So the poem described the Santa we know today. It was called Towards the Night Before Christmas. But the thing was this. In the 1800s, there were many images of what Santa Claus looked like. He was he was uh, shown as a freaking elf, as like a scary, gaunt, like monster. Uh, but Coca-Cola obviously didn't want to do any of those versions of Santa. So they took the, the, the cheeky roses, the red cheek roses, the round belly, and the artist's name was uh, Haydon Sunbloom. Probably said it wrong. They paid him the equivalent of today of $20,000 to create the image we now know as Coca-Cola. And... Bilal's looking at the FAQ there, but uh, yeah, they uh, they have to set the record straight. You can see my reading face there, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> so uh, they uh, they ran ads like their version of Santa Claus, which is basically what we know today for thirty years. The last ad was in nineteen sixty four of like this original Santa Claus, but like literally. So they actually did kind of create our image of Santa, and that's the story. It's crazy. It's a great meme, man. Nice, an ultimate meme. Like- yeah, it is the ultimate meme, right? I mean, look at these boys. We need some Jack critique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, mean, here look we go. at yeah, yeah. incredible these. scenes. These are uh, for people <laughs> listening. Incredible scenes. I mean, first of all, I have to say, so uh, yeah, for people listening, we're showing, I'm showing you the images Santa. of Santa Claus, Coca-Cola. But wow. I think that color, the red and white thing already is incredible. Like just to think, we now think, uh, if I heard you correctly, because I was reading at the same time, <laughs> um, no, no just the colors the the fact we have that positive association with coca-cola with with this kind of like happy jolly character if that's it's kind crazy, of part of it it's incredible manipulation which as a marker i i have respect for but um there's yeah i mean like well, look at this is there is there anyone that's standing out to you jack that you want to 
You want to talk yeah, through? Jack, hit us about the meme. Talk about you love memes. Like how incredible of a 10D chess move was this? Well, you know, I think like the idea of we talk about the idea of memes and they have distribution like no other because of the amount of money they spent, right? And the like even if you drive through like an old town in America, there'll be like a busted yeah. like Coca-Cola sign that you know is probably coming up on 80, 80 years old or whatever. So they've been like pros in the name recognition and brand game for a long, 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 long time. And then like having that head start and creating that that Santa thing that they're putting money behind and, and uh, getting in front of a lot of people everybody else just follows their lead right and it almost yeah. like that is like a feedback loop that benefits them it's almost like a weird cco conversation right like they made yeah. this character and then like everybody just follows their lead and people see red and white they think of coca-cola in the uk they have um you remember the holidays are coming ad below mm. yeah it's <laughs> like uh, you know it's like i don't know november 20 something they start playing this ad in the uk which is a basically a semi truck coca-cola semi truck going through like a snowy like you know romanticized environment it's holidays are coming that's a real song isn't it holidays are coming that over and over again go. is it a real song or did coca-cola i don't invent know if they made song? it or not <laughs> but i'm just like that i think there's all these like subtle subconscious feedback loops around like that the red and white um santa that even like you go past like lawn blow up Santa's now red and white, right? Like even uh, the the colors of the season itself, right? Yeah, have it's red and white with dude. that it's color. Crazy, dude! Like the impact that it's had as a meme is almost equivalent of like um, a nation state, like uh, you know, Star Spangled Banner level of oh, like uh, uh, the anthem and like the the flag. Uh, it's oh, that's such a great point because that there's a six five two nine thread that talks about the power of memes and like they use the American flag as as one of the you know most profound memes that there is. Uh, you see that symbol and it doesn't matter who or where you are, you're not going to have the same idea of it, but you're going to have a reaction to it. Yeah, you you're going to have a reaction to it, hundred percent, right? Yeah, I mean, Santa's the same. The other thing I was going to say, because nowadays we call it like content marketing, but this is just old school ads, right? But <laughs> No, and, but it is content marketing. It basically is content marketing. And, and another parallel I'll draw from the Coca-Cola example. Uh, again, to clarify, I was wrong. They didn't invent Santa Claus. They you know, made the image of him. But two other examples, and I'm wondering, I feel like Trung, well, both of you might know this, but Trung, this could be a Trung thread. So... Guinness Book of World Records and the Michelin star restaurants. Ah, uh, yeah. Where you what create. they have in common, right? So Michelin star restaurants, for a lot of people don't know, that is that was created by the company, the tire company, uh, Michelin, apparently. And that was, they basically created this thing where you have all these restaurants around the world that you would go and drive yeah. to these far out places because you're going to sell more fucking tires, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> And and the second one is Guinness Book of World Records, um, uh, which is you know obviously Guinness the brand they created that, and I I haven't verified this, but you know this is all vibes no facts, so I'm assuming uh, it's it's possible. But are there any other examples like that? Because I think that's a really cool like old school marketing advertising principle that you can kind of apply forever now. Yeah, I, 
that's I, I don't know an example, but I was going to say like hooking yourself onto something that is like cult, like relevant in culture Clearly. and then just saying like, oh, that's ours now, you know, like is a crazy move, but it's played out that way. Like Christmas was obviously a thing before Coca-Cola decided to brand it. <laughs> Yo, they took, <laughs> it was a no, thing. <laughs> I want you to think about freaking FW, Coca-Cola just snatched Christmas. Like, yo, yeah. I like that. Imagine <laughs> yeah. you see Coca-Cola. Hey, guys, I kind of like this whole Christmas thing. I want it. Like, I want it. And literally, yeah. they, they basically, they own it. They Someone draft up a, a character. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just mind-blowing. I think the world records thing, like the Michelin, I actually worked on a Michelin account for like two or three years. Unreal. And that's like, that's still huge. But you ask, Nine out of ten people have no idea that they're even related, right? Yeah, and yeah exactly. If you look closely, the little um, Michelin man is on the stickers on restaurant <laughs> doors and stuff. <laughs> so it's hilarious. And you like unpack that story, people. Are like, what? I want that. I love that. I love how some some C suite dudes like, I want that, and they're like, yeah. all right, we're gonna figure out a way. Oh my goodness! All right, one more, boys. It's just not exactly the same because I know we got to cut out. Is I'm gonna share my screen. It's not the same thing, but just again, manipulation is oh, of creating oh, yeah. a campaign. The creating, making that not only creating that you have to give your fiance a diamond ring, putting a, a number that yeah. is completely scalable, two months salary. It doesn't matter how much money you're making. You know, you're gonna three pay months, two months I salary. Think it is. That might three be a months, Canadian right? rule. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for uh listening, everyone. And uh, Merry Christmas Happy Holidays Wherever you're celebrating And I uh, hope you enjoyed it Let us know in the comments below And we will see you On the next one Ta -ta. Perfect